Well, we're continuing our study in the book of Luke, Footsteps of Jesus. The past several weeks, Jesus has been teaching on entering the kingdom. He said that if you're going to enter the kingdom, you must repent or perish. Last week, as we studied Luke chapter 13, he pointed out that the entrance to salvation is described as a narrow gate. Today we're in Luke 14, and Jesus likens coming to him and into his kingdom as attending a banquet, a great, lavish supper. Aren't you glad that when you answered his invitation and now are gathered around his table enjoying all the delicious preparations of our master and delighting in the joyous celebration at his banquet That's how Jesus describes this kingdom banquet of salvation and eternal life. In these verses, and quite literally all through the Bible, we hear God and the Lord Jesus calling out, Come to the banquet. Yet sadly, many refuse. Luke chapter 14, verses 15 to 24, we're going to... Look at some of those excuses that people make for not coming to the feast. Let me read verses 15 to 24. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, Certainly, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they, with all with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it's done as you commanded, and there's still room. Then the master said to his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Let's pray. Father, I come in your presence today and pray that, Lord, we would see the wonderful feast, the wonderful banquet that the Lord has provided for us by being in his family. I pray that, Father, today that you would help us to rejoice in that fact. And if there's one person that's never responded to that invitation, that, God, you would speak to their heart today. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Let's look, first of all, in this, this passage of Scripture, at the invitation to the supper. Have you ever invi- been invited to a, a some kind of a banquet or a great big feast or some kind of a anniversary celebration or something like that. I have a letter here. 
that I just got uh, probably a few weeks ago to come to a banquet, and it's addressed to the Clinton High School graduating class of 1973. It's their 50-year anniversary, class reunion. I'm not old enough, of course, to uh, have a 50-year reunion, but they invited me, and it tells where it's going to be, and it has on their RSVP, Responde s'il vous plaît. In other words, answer this invitation. Well, I don't know if you've ever been invited to some kind of a special dinner. It's, it's quite an honor. And back in Bible times, if you were invited to a banquet of some wealthy landowner, there wasn't a lot of other things to do. That was the highlight of the social calendar. You put it down. You were, you were privileged to receive that invitation. And Jesus is talking about this as an invitation to supper. And he makes an application, makes an allusion to the gracious invitation to the kingdom. In verse 17, Jesus was sitting at a table and teaching someone said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. As Jesus was talking about the kingdom, somebody made a comment, says, wouldn't it be great? Won't it be wonderful when we're sitting around the table in the kingdom of God and just tasting all of the delicious bread that is there at that table? And this, of course, led Jesus to tell a parable about a certain man who did have a great supper, and he invited many people. He invited people and set a date Now, in in those times, you could set a date for the supper, but you had to also send someone out and tell them what time the supper was. So he sent out his supper uh, servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. Now, back in Bible times, they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have any way of uh, keeping meat or anything like that. So when it was done, you had to come and eat it. So this invitation, of course, was a, a symbol of an invitation to come into God's kingdom. And of course, Jesus had been teaching so many times that that invitation was first given to the Jews. As we learned in, in Luke a lot of times the Jews largely ignored this invitation that Jesus was giving. Now we find that this invitation to come to a banquet or coming into God's kingdom is given all through Scripture. Come to the banquet. A lavish banquet was the highest experience socially and the most fulfilling and joyful celebration they knew anything about. And that's why it became an analogy or metaphor for heavenly celebration. Well, the day of the supper arrives. The host spared no expense. The food is of the highest quality. The tables are attractively decorated. The cooks have worked overtime, and all that remains is for the servants to be sent out and saying, it's ready. Come and get it. Don't hesitate. Come, let's eat. God's favorite word seems to be come. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
We find in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18, God says to people, Come now, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Isaiah 55, 1 says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And the last words of the Bible Revelation twenty two seventeen. the last invitation says, the spirit and the bride say, come, whoever is thirsty, let him come. Remember that old song, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude, turned the water into wine, to the hungry calleth now, come and dine. Seems like every year I get several postcards in the mail about an invitation to come to a dinner at one of the local restaurants that are in the community. And I thought, wow, I get to go to Red Lobster or I get to go to Harpoon Harry's or someplace like that. And then I start reading the fine print. Now, usually in these postcards, there's there's two different people that graciously invite you to come to this, this dinner at a restaurant. One is offering cremation services. <laughs> I guess I'm not really wanting to go there yet. <laughs> and the other, the other one is uh, offering um, a seminar regarding annuities or other financial services. You see, there's a string attached. I want to tell you when Jesus has come to me. There's no strings attached. The banquet is free. And Jesus clearly invites anyone to come to him. And that's what he's talking about here in this gracious invitation to come to the banquet and feast on the riches of eternal life. And that's the parable that Jesus is telling here. The problem Jesus brings up in the parable is that some people in this This guy that invited people there give excuses for not coming. Look at verse 18. But they all, all the people that were invited and said they were going to be there, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. So I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Till another said, I married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. I'm glad it didn't say, I married a wife. And I must go see her. For the first time. (laughs) Doesn't say that. But he all three of them are making excuses. These people were already invited and agreed to come on the day. They didn't know the time. But when the servants were sent out to let them know it's time to... They began to refuse to come, giving feeble excuses, thereby insulting the host. Let's look at the first excuse that was given here. I bought a piece of ground, and I got to go see it. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that, does that make sense to you? Would you buy something off the internet, and you've never seen it before? You've never actually come to Florida and see if that piece of property is swamp or not. Uh, Some people might have said, yes, I've done that before. (laughs) You you wouldn't buy a piece of land without first. And, you know, 
This is supper time. It's getting dark. You can't see much property if you go there and see it right then. The land is going to be there in the morning if you have to see it. The second excuse, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And why would you buy these animals if you first hadn't seen if they're going to work or not, if they're strong enough to plow the ground? That's, by, that's about uh, kind of like buying a used car, and you're going to see if it'll start or not. You know, you make sure that it runs. The, these are feeble excuses, and then I've married a wife. This man knew well in advance that he was taking a wife because Jewish weddings were not just, elo- uh, you know, uh, just getting in the car and, and driving to the next state or anything like this. This was a big affair. So you knew when the, the wedding was. So he should not have agreed to attend the feast in the first place. As we examine each of these, they're very flimsy excuses. And they give the excuse of wealth and work and family. And what Jesus is simply saying, all these things are more important than Jesus Christ. It's not that they couldn't come. They just did not want to come. Man is always on a quest for more. There's an emptiness inside of him. And God has put that longing that emptiness inside of us. And we try to fill it up with so many things by accumulating money, uh, rising high in our jobs, spending time on vacations, adventures, and even family activities. But we were made for more. Mark Buchanan puts it well in his book, Things Unseen. And let me read what he says about this. All our lives, we're taking hold of the wrong things. We go to the wrong places, we eat too much, we drink too much, sleep too much, work too long, take too many vacations or too few vacations, all in the faint hope that this will finally satisfy us and fill the hunger that we have within. Here's the surprise. God made us this way. He made us to yearn, to always be hungry for something we can't get, to always be missing something we can't find. To always be disappointed with what we receive. To always have an insatiable emptiness that no thing can fill. And an untamable restlessness that no discovery can still. Yearning itself is healthy. It's a kind of compass inside of us pointing us to true north. We are made for God's banquet. We miss the banquet when we're content with less. We miss the banquet when we're content with less. Just as Jesus told about excuses then, there's many excuses people make today for not receiving Christ, for not becoming a Christian, for not following the Lord. I've heard them, and you've heard them all through your life. First excuse some people make, well, I'm too young um, I've got a whole lot of wild oats to sow. And, uh, you know, when, when I've had my fun, then I'll take time to somehow uh, commit to Christ. And then other people says, not as too soon, it's too late. I'm too old for that. You know, I've, I've done, I've, I'm stuck in my ways, and I've, I'm not going to change. And that's definitely excuse. And then some people think, well, I'm just not good enough. 
I'm not, I'm not um, a bad guy, but and I'm better than most folks at the church, but religion is just for the bad sinners. Or some people say, I'm too bad. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't accept me after all the things that I've done. And then some people say, well, I will, but just not today. Lord, I'll take a rain check on that salvation thing, and I'll do it sometime. I've got plenty of time. And then another excuse, I, I'm afraid that I just can't live the Christian life. And I don't want to become one of those hypocrites in church. <laughs> and then some people use, there's just too much to give up to become a Christian. I kind of like the way I am and what I'm doing. And then some people say, I just don't feel like it. <laughs> That's probably honest. My wife got a little card in the mail from the clerk of court, you know, uh, an envelope. And don't you love these jury duty things, you know? That's, uh, that's not. And they give you a list of things that you can choose uh, if you are a military veteran or if you have a permanent disability or if you're 70 or over. That's a terrible thing to wish you were 70 so you didn't have to go to jury duty. And, and I looked on all those and we, we couldn't excuse ourselves from that, you know. I want to tell you that salvation is not jury duty. You know, it's not something that you're looking for an excuse to get out of. It's like coming to a banquet. It ought to be something you're, you're flocking to because Jesus is offering that. The master of the house is angry because the people that have been invited have refused and give excuses. He's insulted. So... Notice in verses 21 to 24 that the master's passion that his house be filled. Verse 21, so that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it's done as you commanded. There's still room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste of my supper. Compel them to come. I like that word, compel. It doesn't mean twist their arm. <laughs> it doesn't mean grab them by the collar of their neck and drag them to church. It means Invite them persuasively. Oh, you got to, you got to come to Jesus. He's a wonderful Savior. He will help you through your storms in life. He will give you a satisfaction that none of the happy meals of this world will fill the hunger of knowing Jesus Christ. Compelling people. That is our duty to invite people to come to the Savior Compel them to come in. And then he, he said, invite the despised. I don't know if you are uh, up to what's going on in the news, but Hollywood actors are on strike. Aren't you sympathetic with them? Aren't you just feeling so sorry 
for those wealthy people that they're not getting more money, you know. <laughs> you know, the, the Hollywood actors, and, and they have red carpets. And you, another word is A-listers. Have you ever heard of that word, A-listers? Well, Jesus is saying the A-listers didn't want to come, so let's go get the poor and the blind and the crippled. They would be like Z-listers, you know, to most people. You go out there and you compel anybody you find that are that the, the people that I have invited won't come, so you go and invite them to come to this dinner party. And I'm so glad that Jesus invites anybody. You might feel like a nobody. You might feel like you'll never be on God's A-list, but he is compelling you to come to him. And notice there was another level of invitation here. And I believe this is an invite to the Gentiles. When the host learned that there was still room for more, he commanded that others be invited from the roads and the country lanes. Those people outside of the city were probably Gentiles, those who were outside the covenant community. The host then stated that none of the originally invited guests would get a taste of his banquet. The, pe- the people who originally had been offered a share of the kingdom had rejected it, so now the message was going out to include the Gentiles. And nothing was so important as accepting his offer of the kingdom, for one's entire destiny rests on his response to that offer. Well, this is Jesus' invitation to come to the banquet. Now, in verse 25, I'm going to share a few more verses of Scripture here. The scene changes. Jesus had talked about salvation. Now he explains the high cost of discipleship. When Jesus left the Pharisee's house, there was great crowds following him. But he was not impressed by their enthusiasm. He knew that most of the crowd were not the least bit interested in spiritual things. Some of them wanted to see miracles. Others heard that he was fed the hungry and maybe they would get a watch something like that. A few people wanted to, were hoping that he would overthrow Rome. Jesus turned to the multitude and preached a sermon that deliberately thinned out the ranks. Let me read verse 25 and following. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to him, If anyone comes to me, does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, let me read that later. What we see here is if you want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to involve some self-denial. First of all, a willingness to forsake family. You know, verse 26 sounds very strange. Hate your family, your wife, your children. What does that mean? Literally, hating one's family would have been a violation of the law. What he meant here, it should, not that one should literally hate his family, 
But the stress here is on the priority of love. Our loyalty to Jesus must come before our loyalty to our family or even to life itself. Those who did follow Jesus against their family's desires were probably thought of as, as hating their family. So it's a, it's a priority. You need to love the Lord Jesus Christ more than you even love your spouse or your children or even your own life. That's what happened to many of the martyrs that were executed for the Lord Jesus. High cost of discipleship. You need to be able to count the cost. And Jesus told three little parables here about needing to sit down and figure if you're going to be able to do this following the Lord. It's uh, take, counting the cost and also taking up your cross. Salvation means coming to the cross and trusting Jesus Christ, while discipleship means carrying the cross and following Jesus Christ. What does it mean to carry the cross? It means daily identification with Jesus Christ in his suffering and surrendering to him and to God's will. It means even that you're willing to die for him. Die to your own plans and your own ambitions and your willingness to serve him as he directs. And then Jesus talks about the salt of the earth. In other words, a disciple must be distinctive. It must be different than the surroundings you need to be Christ-like, and we talked about we and our duty of being salt of the earth. Well, as we look at this parable that Jesus told and the story that he invited, the owner, the landowner, the host, has spared no expense for this banquet. As a matter of fact, it cost God his own son, and it cost Jesus his own life to pay for this wonderful banquet of salvation. The table has been spread with the most delicious of foods. There's so much joy. There's so much food. There's so much enjoyment in knowing Christ. The celebration and the joy around the table, none can ever match those who come to Christ the invitation has been sent out and it's been engraved with your name on it. Oh, where's that found in the Bible? It's found in the book of Revelation when it says, whosoever will may come. God invites you this morning to come to his wonderful banquet of salvation. Have you answered that invitation? Many of you have, probably most of you, have said, yes, I'm going to go. I'm attending that banquet. I'm sitting down with my Lord right now and feasting on what he's provided for me and enjoying the, the fellowship around the table. And we'll have that wonderful day when we're there in heaven around the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, but right now we're enjoying the, the bountiful feast of all that Christ has provided. Are you one of those people in this scripture that... Um, I'm involved with doing my own thing right now. And, well, maybe later, but not right now. Oh, my friend, don't give the Lord an excuse. Give him your heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that, Lord, if there's anyone here that has never said yes 
to Jesus' wonderful offer of salvation. May they do that today. I pray that they would have the courage to call upon him right now or come and ask me and talk to me this week about their need of salvation. I pray also for us who are believers. We've accepted the generous offer of free salvation, but have we counted the cost of following Jesus? Are we willing to give up our life? Are we willing to put him first before everything on this earth? I pray that God help us to be true disciples as well. Thank you for your word, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.